Welcome back to Behind the Screens. I'm Ryan Preventure. I'm Simon Burton. And I'm Matthew Liebman. So, gents, it's been a, a busy week at the box office. Uh, uh, no record set, unfortunately, but a lot of choice, a lot of counter-programming out there. Uh, so I think we should hop in there. But, it, Simon, as you were saying off mic a second ago, there was an event that, that reached blockbuster proportions uh, in the sporting world for a change. It certainly did in the Burton household on Sunday morning with Australia winning the Cricket World Cup for the sixth time, you know, beating a, a very good Indian team who was undefeated in the tournament until the final and just goes to show that, you know, the big stage isn't for everyone, but Australia, again, stepping up to the mark and getting it done. And I think, you know, just for your classification and ratings, it's, I'm really glad New Zealand didn't win for the sixth time. Um, it would sound a little differently on the podcast. It would. <laughs> so why don't we turn our attention back to the movies, though, and back to the prequel to The Hunger Games, uh, The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. Simon, do you want to lead off with um, how much this thing earned in the domestic and international markets? Sure, Matt. $44 million domestically from 3,776 screens. I would think they're hoping for a slightly larger opening than that domestically. Uh, but a really good result internationally, taking another $54.5 million to, for a worldwide opening total of $98.5 million. And look, I guess while, as you say, um, they might have hoped for more and the final two instalments of, of the Hunger Games uh, original series, the, the Mockingjay Parts 1 and 2, grossed $102 million for Part 1, $122 million for Part 2. Uh, you know, this is a prequel. It's not got a Jennifer Lawrence in it. And it had a relatively modest production budget of 100 mil. Now, by comparison, Mockingjay Part 2 had 160 mil production value uh, back in 2015. So at least it was budgeted a little bit more modestly. It's found an audience. You know, while the, the reviewers didn't love it, at least on Rotten Tomatoes, it's 62%. The audiences on uh, Rotten Tomatoes sit at 91%. And it's got a B-plus cinema score which is okay. It's the lowest for the Hunger Games franchise. But, uh, you know, maybe there's a little bit in there to, to have a hold for the week or so ahead. Ryan, who, who was the audience for this film? We had an interesting one here. We had the Marvels from last weekend, Barbie, the creator, Spider-Man No Way Home, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, the most recent Fantastic Beasts, The Secrets of Dumbledore, Blue Beetle, and Gran Turismo. Now, there is a lot of kind of different you know, franchises here, but we thought that we'd look at Fantastic Beasts, uh, The Secrets of Dumbledore here to kind of make a comparison. Both films being prequels, which we have seen that, um, at least with the Fantastic Beasts films as prequels, did nowhere near the numbers of the original Harry Potter films. So it's not terribly surprising that we saw a little bit of that with this particular Hunger Games movie. So when we're going to look at all the comparisons here, the first movie will, of course, be Hunger Games, and the second one will be what we're comparing it to, which is Fantastic Beasts. When we look at frequency, the infrequent moviegoers for Hunger Games was 33% compared to 39% for Fantastic Beasts. Occasionals were 36 to 35, so pretty much the same for both. The frequent moviegoers was 27% for Hunger Games compared to 23% for Fantastic Beasts. And the very frequent was 4 to 2%. When we look at the age range, it's actually quite similar. Ages 2 to 11 were 5% compared to 8%. 12 to 17 was 7% compared to 6. 18 to 24 got a little bit higher at 24% for The Hunger Games compared to 11% for Fantastic Beasts. So that, 
that's kind of that sweet spot area, 25 to 34, 22% compared to 25%, pretty similar there. 35 to 44 age range, 16 to 18. 45 to 54 is 15 compared to 14% for Fantastic Beasts. And 55 uh, 55 to 64, 8 to 10%. So what you saw here is pretty close in similarities. Female audience was 55% for Hunger Games compared to 46% for Fantastic Beasts. So pretty similar in terms of their audiences. Uh, Again, when you kind of look at them both being prequel films and both being part of much bigger franchises beforehand. Yeah, so I guess we'll see if this this film inspires additional installments. Um, you know, there's really nothing that would cut the legs out of it next week in terms of similar audience appeal, as you've just shown there. Um, you know, I saw it. It's a pretty dark film, guys. I went with my 16-year-old daughter, and, of course, the original series of, of um, movies was pretty dark uh, with kids fighting kids to the death. These kids had, a lot of them had physical and mental disabilities. It, it's a pretty bleak story to be sitting there. Um, but my one takeaway, my one little Easter egg, is apparently the word Katniss is a, um, is a name for a swamp potato. So now we know Jennifer Lawrence's character is basically Swamp Potato Everdeen. Um, and I take that away from this film, if nothing else. It's an incredible piece of wisdom there, Matt, on the Katniss definition. Moving right along. The next biggest release of the week was Trolls Band Together, the third installment of the Trolls franchise. A shout out to one of my close mates in, in LA, Colin Jack, who's head of story on this and and um, thrilled for his success. Why don't you um, start us off with the box office here, Simon? Um, Trolls Band Together, domestic opening this past weekend over at number two, uh, taking $30.6 million from 3,870 screens. Uh, it's been open in a number of international markets for a few weeks now. Didn't stop it from taking another $76.8 million internationally for a worldwide weekend of $108.5 million. And Ryan, in terms of audience, you know, um, are you seeing a similar group of people that have gone to other kids' films or does Trolls sort of pave its own way with a different audience in any way? It's pretty much the same. I'll just go quickly through here. The comparable films are exactly what you would expect. The most recent Paw Patrol film, Elemental, Sing 2, Ruby Gilman, the Super Mario Brothers movie, DC League of Super Pets, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and Minions Rise of Gru. So it's people taking their, their kids to see this. Just real quickly on the on the frequency, we compared this to Elemental because the box office openings were pretty similar on that one. What we saw, so what we'll be, again, just as a, as a note, we'll be comparing Trolls to Elemental. Trolls will be the first film, Elemental will be the second Infrequent moviegoers, 39 to 41%, very similar for both. Occasionals, 39 to 37%. Again, almost exactly the same here. Frequents, 19 to 19%, and very frequent, 3 to 3%. So honestly, the way the, at least frequency and the way they behave in terms of going to the theaters was almost this, exactly the same for Elemental as it was for, as it was for this most recent Trolls. And you wonder if that's going to have maybe a little help with their legs as they begin as they expand over the weekends. I know we have Wish coming out, but there could be some with people having the week off that they they have some opportunities to be able to to go and see Trolls 3 and and kind of, you know, get out there. What we did see was ages 2 to 11, 31% of the audience was 2 to 11 for Trolls compared to 27% for Elemental. So obviously a very young skewing film. 12 to 17, 2 to 4% 
And what we saw here was the 35 to 44 was 28% compared to 23%. So what you're seeing here is parents taking their young kids, right? That's where you're kind of looking at some of these percentages here. Uh, Females were 61% compared to 58% for elemental, 61% for trolls. So again, what you're seeing is, is like, uh, adults that have young, younger age kids wanting to go see this film. And maybe that, that 28% of 35 to 44 might be in sync fans too, and wanting to hear their new song. So there could be a little bit of that as well. Yeah. I think that's why Simon was going, you, you love yourself a bit of in sync there, Simon, right? I did. Interestingly, the lead character in the Trolls movie, Poppy, uh, that name actually means red flower. So nearly red sparrow, which is the Jennifer Lawrence movie. You could probably bring that full circle, Matt. I don't think I can. I think um, you've taken that as far as it can go. I can see the other side. I just can't reach it. Talking about counter-programming, we've gone from animated trolls to kitties fighting to the death to now a horror film in Thanksgiving. And it seems to continue the um, amazing run of horror titles this year, especially compared to their production budgets. Simon, do you want to kick us off with uh, the box office grosses for Thanksgiving? leaning on grosses from what I gather. Yeah, I think it's a wonderful result. Domestically, $10.3 yeah. million from a tick over 3,200 screens, another $2.5 million internationally from 11 markets for a worldwide weekend of $12.7 million. But, yeah, opening in fourth position at domestic box office and to, to eclipse that $10 million mark, I think it's a great result for Thanksgiving. Looks scary as hell. I won't be getting out to see it, but, uh, wow, some of the trailers scared the pants off me. Yeah, you'd think twice about throwing stuff in a dumpster based on some of the footage I've seen. Um, but when I look at this, you know, that result, given its, uh, its content and fairly highly uh, classified nature of this, this particular title, that gross is outstanding. And also on a reported production budget of only $15 million. So uh, again, showing a great return on investment, this horror genre. It also had some good feedback. So you know, one of the few times that we've seen the reviewers actually like a movie this year, they came in at 83% on Rotten Tomatoes and almost equally high amongst audiences at 78%. So with that in mind, Ryan, who was that audience and uh, what did they look like? One other kind of good note for Eli Roth, who has been doing horror films now for a long time, this is his best reviewed film. Well, the comparable films are exactly what you would expect. We have Saw X, the most recent one, Exorcist Believer, Talk to Me, The Nun 2, Evil Dead Rise, Scream 6, The Last Voyage of the Demeter, and It Lives Inside. Uh, because of the truly violent nature of the film, we went with Saw X as the comparison. And like we saw with, with a couple of these other films this week, the, the frequency of the moviegoers is pretty close for some of them. The infrequence was 25% compared to 32% for Saw X. Occasionals were 29%. For Thanksgiving compared to 33% for Saw X, frequents were 36 compared to 29, and very frequents were 10% compared to 5. So what you're seeing a little bit here is that people who just go see horror films, and we've had a number of them this fall and this summer. I mean, we really have just had quite a few horror films, some of them with some reasonably well-reviewed. You're kind of seeing that they they continue to come back. I'm just going to look at a little bit of an older audience here because Thanksgiving was rated R, 18 to 24, 16%, I'm sorry, 18% compared to 27% for Saw X, 25 to 34, 24% for Thanksgiving compared to 27% for Saw X, 35 to 44, 21% compared to 18, all very close here. The one that's a little bit different is the 45 to 54, which is 16% for Thanksgiving compared to 10% for Saw X. 
And as you'd imagine, uh, this was a little bit more male skewing. Uh, female audiences were 39% for Thanksgiving, 43% for Saw X. So uh, for this, these particular franchises, a little more male skewing. That's great. Thanks, Ryan. And we've got one last one. It feels like a bit of a marathon to get through all these new releases this weekend. Uh, the, the final one of the week uh, is Taika Waititi's next goal wins for Searchlight. It looks like a bit of a cool runnings nod. So um, for those who like that sort of film, and I know uh, you'll take us through the box office in a second, uh, Simon, but I think it'll be uh, outperforming in this part of the world, but doesn't open to the new year. Um, so Kiwis will have to wait a little longer to go and, and see Tiger's latest offering. But how did it do in the domestic market? Uh, opened at number seven this past weekend at domestic box office, taking $2.5 million from 2,200 screens. So that's a fairly modest total, obviously, Simon, but I do think this film will have some legs, especially in this part of the world. And again, at a modest production budget of $10 million, you know, I think it, it knows uh, what its audience potential was and has kind of cut its cloth accordingly. Simon, can you take us through, you know, a couple of the other holdovers, those that in particular rounded out the top five this weekend? How did the Marvels fare in its second go round? Yes, Matthew, the Marvels in week two came in fourth position at the domestic box office, which was the largest second week drop in Marvel history, uh, topping the previous largest drop of Quantumania at 69.9%. Marvels dropped 78% this past weekend to take $10.2 million, bringing its domestic queue to $65 million, uh, $96 million internationally for a worldwide queue of $161 million dollars uh, and it's now likely to be the first Marvel film to gross less than a hundred million dollars domestically tracking well behind the flash the list of underwhelming achievements sort of go on and on with this title so which is a shame having seen it and we took the whole office as a, a team building activity to go see it last week it's certainly the grosses don't reflect the quality of the film um, I think it's it's not the best Marvel film by any means but I think that the comic book genre as a whole has kind of impacted and tainted the box office for this particular title um and i think there's been a bit of a pile on that's probably unfair hopefully it has a bit of a life at home uh entertainment when it comes out there but of course we we cheer for the theatrical release and it's it's just not going to come close to um even the opening weekend of captain marvel which grossed 153 mil uh there's no way this lifetime for the marvels will hit that domestically unfortunately no. On the flip side, the positive story, Five Nights at Freddy's, ranking fifth at domestic box office, taking another $3.5 million, bringing its worldwide queue now to $272 million. Uh, it opened in Korea this past weekend as well, taking $2.5 million at number one in the market, um, supplanting Marvels at, at number two, so a great result there as well. Um, and it's now surpassed a lifetime total of Glass to become the second biggest Blumhouse title of all time internationally. Um, and it's already the second biggest Blumhouse title of all time worldwide behind only Split. It's amazing. Those guys are an absolute machine. They know how to churn out, you know, compelling product at reasonable prices. It's, it's a real success story for our industry at the moment. So after four new releases this week, we've got another three next week or two and a half with a third film going wide. And they continue, for the most part, uh, the counter-programming trend. We've got Napoleon as a massive three-hour biopic from Ridley Scott. We've got Saltburn, an independent thriller, horror, um, going wider. 
And I guess the overlap here is Wish coming in uh, on the back of Trolls. But hopefully there's there's room for two animateds in the market, especially after the market has been so starved of animated family films for much of the year. But we'll check in to see how they all perform and how this current tranche of releases do in their second week. Until then, gents, have a good one. Thank you, everyone, for listening behind the screens. Movio and Numero are two of the businesses within the Vista Group, the world-leading provider of technology solutions to the global film industry. For more moviegoer insights, be sure to visit movio.co and follow Movio, Numero, and Vista Group on Twitter and LinkedIn. The Behind the Screens podcast is produced by Grace Furness and edited by Patrick Hanna.